Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Pandemic, book three of the Infected Trilogy. Written by number one New York Times bestselling novelist, Scott Sigler. Performed by Phil Giganti. Pandemic is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash pandemic. Chapter 21 Flash Mob Steve Stanton shivered despite his thick jacket, snow pants, gloves, and hat. The wind and the cold had both intensified when the sun went down. He and General Dana Brownstone stood in the front of a public transit bus, looking through binoculars at the soldiers around the Park Tower Hotel. Just ahead of the bus, dozens of chosen ones stayed low behind a barrier made of cars, trash bins, doors, and general refuse. Hatchlings scurried in and around the objects, secreting a brown fluid that was quickly transforming the barrier into a solid wall. Steve's people had tested the material in several places through the city. It stopped all small arms fire, probably stopped everything shy of a tank cannon. Fortunately, the humans didn't have a tank. General Brownstone lowered her binoculars. The sun will be coming up in a few hours, Emperor. I recommend we attack before dawn. Steve lowered his binoculars as well. He stared out at his people, and beyond them to the towering tan hotel rising high into the night sky. Maybe we should wait for morning, he said. We have a mob, not a trained army. I don't want our people accidentally wasting bullets on each other. Brownstone smiled. Don't worry about that, Emperor. The humans were kind enough to put on uniforms. Steve gave Brownstone an admiring look. He should have thought of that. Just shoot at the people in the uniforms and bulky suits. How much easier could it be? He lifted the binoculars again. He could make out the heads and shoulders of a few masked soldiers peeking out from behind the line of ruined cars. To the right of an overturned VW Beetle, the few remaining streetlights played off the black barrel of a nasty-looking tripod-mounted weapon. The human soldiers were heavily outnumbered, but they were special forces, well-armed and clearly disciplined. They would kill Steve's chosen people by the thousands. Good thing he had hundreds of thousands. And it wasn't like the chosen ones were some barbarian army armed with spears and knives. His people had guns, too, and he had special soldiers of his own. He lowered the binocs, let them dangle against his sternum. How many fighting-capable followers have smartphones? One thousand two hundred and twelve, Brownstone said instantly. Each phone is held by the head of a primary cell, and each primary cell has visual or foot messenger connections to three secondary cells. We can quickly coordinate an infantry force of thirty thousand. Steve held out his hand, palm up. Brownstone handed him a phone. He looked at the time, 3.33 a.m. Most of those 30,000 chosen ones could reach this location within 45 minutes or less. He called up Twitter, logged on to his at Monstamush account. He typed in his message. Bottle poppin' 4 a.m. Party 410. Hashtag Chicago Flash Mob. Hug and hold. Hashtag Chicago VIP if you find him. Please RT. He hit send. Brownstone looked at the message. Aren't you concerned the human signal intelligence analysts will see that? 
Steve shrugged. Nationwide, there's probably still a thousand tweets a second. If anyone sees it, they won't know what it means. And even if they somehow figure it out, they won't be able to react soon enough. Brownstone nodded. If the humans have overhead surveillance, they'll spot our coordinated movement. We can expect air support to arrive quickly. Predator drones, Apaches, possibly other aircraft we haven't seen yet. Let them come, Steve said. Get word to the rooftops. From here on out, destroy whatever flies in. Brownstone saluted. Yes, Emperor. She exited the bus. She would carry Steve's orders to the masses. He looked out the bus's door to the yellow-skinned bull hiding alone behind a burned-out Mercedes thirty feet away. The day before, that bull had come looking for Steve. It had made contact with dozens of chosen ones along the way, and not one of them had fallen ill. Jeremy Ellis had taken the bull straight to his biology lab, yet found no trace of disease. Ellis thought the bulls were not only immune to Cooper Mitchell's disease, they also weren't carriers of it. Yo! Steve yelled to the bull. Are you ready to find your old friend? Like a puppy called by its master, the massive creature took two hurried steps toward the bus before it stopped, remembering it wasn't supposed to get close. The bull said, Find Steve smiled. God willing, Cooper Mitchell would die at the hands of his lifelong friend. The mutated hands with those awesome bone blades. All things in due time. Steve checked the cell phone. Forty minutes to go. Chapter 22 Game Change Jackpot! Tim lifted his head from the microscope. He wanted to drink scotch and screw and watch cartoons. Maybe in that order. Maybe not. He wanted to party. Cooper Mitchell's blood contained thousands of hydras. Tim had also found dead hydras in the frozen bodies that had been in the hotel lobby. Correlation wasn't causation, true, but the results pointed to one motherfucker of a correlation. Cooper Mitchell was patient zero. The good kind of patient zero. I've got you Norman Bates bitches by the short and curlies. You're all gonna die. Cooper, you lovely, lovely bastion of microbial awesomeness. You might have just saved the world. The man's story indicated he infected those around him almost immediately. The hydras debilitated individuals within just 8 to 12 hours of initial exposure, killed them within 24. What was more, Cooper said he hadn't touched any of the people who had found him in the Walgreens, Yet at least five of the six had contracted the fatal pathogen. That meant the hydras were airborne and were highly contagious. Just being in the same room was enough. It didn't matter what Margaret found up on the 18th floor, or anywhere else for that matter. The mission became one simple objective. Get Cooper Mitchell out of Chicago and into a lab. According to Cooper, only the Jeff monster had survived the 24-hour lethality. Tim had seen images of the big creatures, so different they looked more akin to gorillas than humans. That kind of large-scale physical alteration required large-scale genetic change. Perhaps hydras took longer to affect them, or possibly didn't affect them at all. But that wasn't Tim's problem. 
The Hydras killed the other known forms. The dead in the Park Tower's lobby included two triangle hosts, two kissy faces, and one that had no marks of any kind, yet died all the same. He couldn't wait to tell Margaret. She'd want to double-check Tim's results, see for herself if he'd gotten it right. Of course, she'd actually have to come to the lab area to do that, actually have to stand next to Cooper Mitchell, which she wasn't doing. She hadn't even come near Cooper. Margaret had been hands-on with Walker and Petrovsky. Years earlier, she'd personally done the work on Martin Brubaker, Perry Dawsey, Betty Jewell, and Carmen Sanchez. She'd been up close and personal with infected, both living and dead. Why would she go out of her way to avoid Cooper? Because she knew that Cooper's hydras killed the converted. She knew, and she didn't want to die. Tim slapped himself lightly on the sides of his masked head. Left, right, left, right. Margaret couldn't be infected. She'd tested negative. She'd taken the inoculant, then tested negative some more. And besides that, she was Margaret Montoya, grand defender of the human race. She tested negative. But so had that diver, Cantrell, who had tried to kill Margaret during the escape from the Brashear. Tim had written Cantrell's behavior off to panic and confusion from the attack, the explosion that had blown his cell open, from breathing in a near-lethal dose of bleach. Why? Because Cantrell had shown no signs of infection. That corpse in the park tower lobby, the tall one in the red coat, he had no signs of infection either, yet his blood had been full of hydras all the same. Tim lunged for the med kit. He tore it open, throwing things aside until he found what he needed, a cellulose tester. The unit would work on a dead body just as well as on a live one. Chapter 23 Obey Clarence stood in the doorway of room 1812, waiting for a chance to be useful. Margaret wouldn't even let him help with little things like gathering samples or moving that nasty body. She was happy to let the seal, Bogdana, handle all of that. Margaret was acting odd, even stranger than she'd acted on the Coronado. She had always wanted to be hands-on, yet now she was letting Tim do the dirty work? The most important work? She said it was because of the baby. She wasn't taking any chances. Clarence wasn't about to argue with that. She shouldn't have come in the first place. Margaret didn't touch anything in room 1812. She insisted Bogdana wear the CBRN suit for this particular bit of work. Being unprotected on the streets was one thing, while handling a corpse was another. She directed his actions. Move the rotting body. Fill this vial. Scoop up that slime. And on and on. Clarence's headset crackled, followed by Tim's voice on the open channel. This is Dr. Feely. He sounded upset. Clarence, are you out there? Talk to me, man. Margaret's head snapped up. Clarence reached to thumb the talk button, paused when Margaret held up a hand palm out. Stop right there. Don't answer him, she said. I need your help right now. He stood there for fifteen minutes with his thumb up his ass, and now she needed him? He held up a finger, asking her to be quiet as he thumbed the talk button. Feely, this is Clarence. Go ahead. I found... Uh, is Margaret with you by chance? She is. Ah. Well, I found something. Can you come down here? Now? It's really important. Margaret shook her gas-mask-covered head. 
Was she playing some kind of mind game? Was she craving protection, perhaps because of the baby? Or was this another punishment for him leaving her? Whatever her reason, Clarence didn't have time to play along. He thumbed the talk button again. I'll be right down, Tim. Margaret pointed to the floor. I need you here. Do not go down there, Clarence, you hear me? Bogdana watched them both, the eyes behind his gas mask showing an expression of annoyed disbelief. Maybe Margaret had good reason to be mad, but that didn't change the fact that Clarence had a job to do. Bogdana, Clarence said to the seal, Stay with Dr. Montoya until I check this out. I'll be back as quick as I can. Bogdana nodded. Yeah, I'll take care of the doc. Clarence hesitated a moment, looked at Margaret's angry stare one more time, then jogged toward the elevator. Chapter 24 Balls Tim knew. Margaret could tell from the sound of his voice. She didn't know how he'd figured it out, but there was no question. He knew. She had to act now. Sorry about this, Bogdana, but I really need a skin sample from the genitalia. The man's shoulders dropped. Please tell me you're kidding. Margaret shook her head. Her suit's gas mask wobbled just a little, despite the fact that she had it on so tight it partially cut off the circulation in her face. Sorry, but it has to be done. She forced herself closer to the bloated corpse. A puddle of fluid stained the carpet beneath it liquid from decomposition rather than blood. The man's penis and testicles looked black and shriveled, like a rotten avocado spotted with moisture. I need a sample. She pointed to the decomposing member. From right below his scrotum. Bogdana shook his head, sighed. <sighs> My mother will be so proud that her only son is the military's highest-paid collector of Fromunda cheese. He knelt on both knees, then reached a gloved hand under the corpse's genitalia. He lifted gently, bent his head for a closer look. Margaret quietly drew the Sig Sauer P226 from her thigh holster. She pointed it at the back of Bogdana's head and pulled the trigger. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. On a remote island in frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
Chapter 25 Shots Fired Clarence exited the elevator and strode toward Tim's lab area. The little scientist jogged to meet him halfway, feet crunching on the broken glass and bits of charred wood scattered about the lobby. It's Margaret, Tim said. I think she's infected. Clarence stopped. What kind of bullshit was Tim trying to pull? Was the little coward looking for a way out? Tim grabbed Clarence's arm, pulled him toward Cooper Mitchell. The man was moving again, head lolling as he struggled to wake up. Tim looked back to the elevator, then around the lobby. He leaned in close. You heard me. Margaret is infected. Clarence yanked his arm free of Tim's anxious grip. She's not. She's been with us the whole time. She drank the inoculant. So did I. So did you. Tim nodded rapidly, continued to glance at the elevator. Clarence understood why. He was afraid Margaret might come down. He was afraid of Margaret. I know she did, Tim said. The only thing that makes sense is she was exposed before we left the Brashear. By the time she drank the yeast, she'd already been infected for more than 24 hours, so it was too late to save her. Come on, man. She wouldn't come anywhere near Cooper. Does that sound like Margaret to you? All the pressure, the danger. Tim had lost it. He'd cracked. You're wrong, Clarence said, struggling to keep his voice level. She's pregnant, you paranoid little shit. She doesn't want to take any chances. Are you kidding me? Tim spread his arms, a gesture that took in the hotel, the city, everything. Does this look like a sixth-grade field trip to the museum? He pointed at Cooper. She comes into this slaughterhouse, no problem, then won't get near him. She's afraid of catching the Hydra's auto. She's afraid of catching a disease that only kills the infected. No. Tim was wrong. He had to be. She tested over and over again, Clarence said. She blew negative every time. So did Cantrell. Tim picked up a testing kit off the portable table and held it up. The light showed a steady green. So did the guy in the red coat, the one that Cooper said was the leader of his group of converted. The guy who died from the hydras, just like the other infected. There's a strain the test doesn't detect, Otto, and Margaret has it. Clarence stared at the testing kit. Green light. Margaret's tests showed green lights. She wouldn't go near Cooper. No, there had to be an explanation. The baby, he said. She doesn't know how hydras might affect the baby. Stop it, Tim snapped. We don't have time for denial. We have to... Klimas's voice came over their headsets. All personnel, predator drones show heavy foot traffic headed our way. Movement on East Chicago coming from both directions on Michigan, and all of it converging on our position. They aren't coming to swap spit and rub tummies, people. Man the perimeter. Fire at anything that moves. It's game time. How could they attack now? Tim said Margaret was infected. Maybe she was just sick. The baby making her act strange. Clarence's headset let out a short burst of static as someone switched frequencies. Otto, this is Klimas. Over. Clarence reacted automatically. Otto here, go ahead. The shit is about to hit the fan. Sit rep on the civvies. Montoya is up in 1812 with Bogdana. I'm in the lobby with Feely and Mitchell. Good. 
Stay right there unless I tell you otherwise, or unless someone is shooting at you. His wife was upstairs, and an attack was coming. I have to go get Margaret. I'll grab her and... Negative Agent Otto, stay right where you are. You're responsible for protecting Feely and the package. I'll let Bogdana bring Montoya down. Clean us out. Clarence closed his eyes, tried to think things through. The future of the human race was right next to him, sitting in a swivel chair, still partially sedated. But his family was 17 floors above. Was Tim crazy? Or, if Tim was right... Clarence's headset came alive with rangers and seals calling out targets, with the sound of weapons fire. Then several voices at once, from both inside the lobby and over the comlink, calling the same word, incoming. Clarence heard a muffled crash of glass, followed by the woof of billowing fire that filled the lobby with a sudden and angry orange light. Chapter 26 Game On Polyus Klimas rolled across the snowy pavement, putting out the flames that danced up his thighs. Molotov cocktails rained down around him. The smell of burning gasoline filled the air. Mortars from inside the perimeter thumped. Weapons fired. Men shouted out targets or screamed in agony. Polyus slid up against the door of a burned-out Lincoln Navigator. He peeked around the front bumper, east down Chicago Avenue. Dozens of small flames arced through the air toward his position spinning orange stars that would land and burst, spreading long ovals of flame. Off in the distance, he saw muzzle flashes coming from behind overturned cars on Chicago Avenue and on Rush Street, as well as from skyscraper windows in all directions. Bullets plinked off the navigator, punched through what glass still remained in the ruined vehicle. Molotovs hit every few seconds. Most of the improvised missiles fell short, but more than a few sailed over the perimeter to set the pavement afire. He thumbed to his seal-only frequency and pressed the talk button. This is Klimas, Overwatch. Locate and return fire. Concentrate on enemy positions in the buildings on the corners of Chicago and Rush, Chicago and Michigan. Prioritize all high-elevation enemy snipers. Repeat, all high-elevation enemy snipers. Sit rep by squads. Go! The squads reported back. Heavy concentrations of small arms fire and Molotovs coming in from all directions. Most of the enemy troops had to be armed civilians. His marksmen would thin them out quickly, but just how big a force did they face? Polyus switched to the Rangers' channel and listened in. Captain Dundee was already calling in air support. The Apaches would be here in minutes. The hotel was so large, Polyus still had men going from floor to floor, securing the place one room at a time. He switched back to the SEAL channel. Interior personnel, sound off! His men reported in, all but one, Bogdana. Were there still bad guys in the hotel? Had they taken out Boggs and Margot? He switched channels again. Civilians, sound off! Chapter 27 Feel the Heat Tim coughed, trying to clear the thick, greasy smoke from his lungs and throat. He lost his gas mask. He pushed himself to his knees but stayed behind the reception counter. The rangers were putting out fires even as bullets whizzed into the lobby, splintering into the wood walls or taking chunks out of the black marble columns. He saw Cooper Mitchell lying prone, struggling to rise. Tim threw an arm over the man, protecting him as well as he could. Then the big form of Clarence Otto scrambled behind the ruined counter, 
aimed his pistol over it toward the hotel's front entrance. Tim heard the short burst of static caused by someone coming onto the civilian frequency. Civilian, sound off! Klimas. In the background, Tim heard the constant roar of gunfire and a wounded soldier screaming for help. Auto here, Clarence said. Feely is with me, as is the package. Acknowledged, Klimas said. Margaret, sound off! There was no response. Margaret, sound off! Klimas said again. Still nothing. Otto crouched low. Have Bogdana bring her down, Klimas, right now. No response from Bogdana. Had Margaret killed the man? Tim didn't know if she could get the drop on a seal. But she was infected. He knew she was. And that meant she was capable of anything. Clarence stayed low but took a step toward the elevator. Klimas, I'm going to get Margaret. Negative, Otto. That's a... Klimas stopped in mid-sentence. Gunfire filled Tim's headphones, so loud it made him wince. I repeat, that's a negative. I'm sending Bosch and Ramirez to get her. Otto, do not leave your post. Clarence paused. Tim could see the man's eyes through the gas mask lenses, see the turmoil, the indecision. Affirmative, Clarence said. Tim heard the click of Klima switching off the channel. Outside, the gunfire sounded constant an orchestra of unending death. A bullet hit the centrifuge on top of the portable table, sending it spinning violently down to the marble floor. Clarence shook his head. I have to get her. He again turned toward the elevator. Tim reached up, grabbed Clarence's arm. Otto, stay here, goddammit! Don't you fucking leave us alone! Cooper Mitchell tried to roll to his hands and knees, but lost his balance, fell back down to his side, he looked around, eyes blinking and unfocused. Clarence grabbed Tim's wrist, pulled the hand free. I'm going to get my wife. Stay here with Cooper. The Rangers will protect you. He sprinted for the elevator. Tim felt lost. He looked at Cooper Mitchell, who was again trying to get to his hands and knees. Cooper. It was all about Cooper. About the microorganism he had in his body, in his blood. Tim pressed his talk button. Klimas, this is Feely. Come in. Come in, Klimas. Klimas came back instantly, both his voice and the sound of gunfire painfully loud. God damn it, Feely. Stay off this channel. Margaret's infected. Otto went to get her. I'm alone with Mitchell. Get us out of here. A bullet ripped through the portable table's metal leg. The table leaned to the right and fell on its edge. Feely, Klimas said. Do you have a weapon? No! Then find one. Right now, Mitchell is your responsibility. Protect him. The lobby is the safest place we have. That reception counter is decent cover, so stay behind it. I'll get someone to you as soon as I can. Klimas out. The frequency clicked off. I am so screwed. So screwed. A crash of glass. A woof of billowing fire so close, Tim felt the heat through his suit. He threw himself on top of Cooper to protect him from the flames. So screwed! <laughs> so screwed! Chapter 28 Freedom Margaret paused on the stairwell landing of the 15th floor. She carefully checked her suit for tears and cuts. She couldn't take any chances now. She had killed Bogdana, blown his brains all over that rotted corpse. To pull the trigger, to know she was the one to end that sub-creature's miserable existence. 
It felt glorious. Humans had pissed away their chance to live on this world. War, hatred, pollution, genocide. The true legacy of humankind. She hadn't taken a life. She had simply exterminated a pest. After she'd killed Bogdana, she'd heard the battle erupt in the streets. A look out the window gave her all the motivation she needed to keep fighting. As far down Chicago Avenue as she could see, waves and waves of people hiding behind barriers, waiting to advance. The converted, coming to save her. But Cooper Mitchell was downstairs, the Antichrist. If her kind poured in like a tidal wave of blessed bodies, overwhelming the rangers and seals, they might come into contact with that diseased piece of garbage. They might be exposed. If as few as four or five of them contracted his hydras and then faded into the night, mingled with others, that was enough to start an unstoppable plague. Margaret's people might be wiped out forever, leaving God's will unfulfilled. The humans could keep developing, keep building, until someday they reached the stars. She had to stop that from happening. She had to kill Cooper Mitchell before her people could reach him. She had the gun... Deshaun Bosch had shown her how to use it, how to take a shooter's stance, how to breathe out slowly, how to squeeze the trigger, never pull it. Margaret didn't have to get close to Cooper to kill him. She just needed a clean shot. A clean shot and a distraction. That fucker Feely had probably already told Clarence and the others that she was infected. They wouldn't trust her now, might even kill her on sight. She had to be careful but she also had to move fast. The converted onslaught would provide her the needed distraction. Everyone would be busy trying to repel the attack. Kill Cooper Mitchell, then get to her people. That was all that mattered. Afterward, she could figure out how to defuse humanity's last weapon. She had discovered the Hydras. She could also find a way to destroy them. Chicago had universities, hospitals. She could cobble together a working lab. She'd saved humanity three times over, so why couldn't she do the same for her new tribe? But first, Cooper had to die. Margaret started down the steps. Chapter 29 The Evidence Clarence sprinted down the hallway of the 18th floor, Glock 19 in hand, heading for the room where they'd found Cooper Mitchell. He leaned left to turn the corner without slowing, booted feet digging into the hallway carpet. He came around to the side of a pair of M4s pointed his way. He tried to stop suddenly, knew in that moment bullets would rip him to shreds, but he was moving too fast. His forward momentum slammed him into the far wall. He fell to the floor. Drop the weapon! Ramirez screamed. Clarence let the Glock fall from his hand to thump on the hallway's carpet. Ramirez stayed in place, Black M4 tight to his shoulder and aimed at Clarence's chest. Deshaun Bosch ran up, grabbed Clarence's sidearm, took two steps back. Montoya, Bosch said. Where is she? She killed Bogdana. That couldn't be true. Couldn't be. There had to be hostiles in the building. You guys got it all wrong, Clarence said. Margaret didn't kill anyone. Get your ass up, Bosch said. Clarence stood. Ramirez's aim didn't waver. He seethed with visible fury. If Clarence gave him a reason, he knew Ramirez would put him down. Bosch pushed Clarence down the hall. 
Move, Bosch said. See for yourself. Clarence felt so lost, so disoriented, he didn't resist. Another push on his back as he stumbled into room 1812. Clarence saw two bodies, the bloated thing that Cooper had hid beneath, and sprawled on top of it, Bogdana. A small hole in his CBRN suit, right at the back of his head, told the story. Point blank, Bosch said. Bogdana's a seal, asshole! You think one of those gibbering idiots could have gotten that close to him? Clarence shook his head. No, not Margaret. She was immune. Clarence had seen her take the tests. We have to find her, he said. She's... she's in danger. The words rang hollow, even to him. Bosch tossed Clarence's pistol onto the bed. Ram and I are going to the fifth floor, he said, setting up a sniper position. Look for her if you want. But when you see her, if you don't shoot first, it was real nice knowing you. The two seals ran off down the hall. Clarence thumbed his talk button. Margaret, answer me. He waited. No response. Margaret, please. Please answer me. Nothing. Clarence stared at Bogdana. Bosch was right. Tim was right. Margaret had done this. She was infected. The brutal reality hit home. He leaned against the wall. His wife, his love, the mother of his child. She was one of them. The noise of the battle seemed to hit him all at once. The sounds of gunfire filtering up from the street. And not that far off, the pounding of helicopter rotors. Why had she revealed herself now? Had she known this attack was coming somehow? More of that infected telepathy, their hive mind making them all move as one? Or was it simply because she realized that Tim had discovered her secret, that he was about to out her? But if that was the case, Margaret could have denied it. She tested negative. Tim would have had no proof. Clarence looked at Bogdana. Had Margaret killed the man so she could slip away and join her kind? The mission, the package, he had to focus on that. If he didn't concentrate on saving Cooper Mitchell, on making all of this worthwhile, he knew he'd go insane. Clarence grabbed his weapon, turned, and ran for the elevator. You have been listening to Pandemic, book three of the Infected Trilogy by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. Performed by Phil Giganti. Produced by Empty Set Entertainment. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.